Good evening, or good morning, good afternoon, welcome to Stumbling Through Scripture. My name's Archie Catchpole. And I'm Becky Catchpole. And it's great that you're listening with us, we hope that you're doing well, hope that you're having a good day, or a good night. Mm, yeah, even Angus has joined us for this one. He's stopped being a menace and is curled up on my lap. And so all is forgiven from last week where he destroyed all of my plants because he's been cute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, although he does keep passing wind, so (laughs) it's slightly gross. There's like a whiff of poo every five minutes, but that's okay. Um, We're doing okay. Well, it's not coming home, so we're a bit sad, you see. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) Which is... Yesterday was depressing because I had to be around you when you were sad that the football wasn't coming home. And then lots of jubilant Scottish fans who couldn't stop shouting that it's coming Rome. Which Is that was, what they were shouting? Yeah, it's coming I thought Rome. they were just saying home with a Scottish accent. Well, some of them were, but some of them were saying it's coming Rome. The clever ones, the witty ones, were the saying witty, it's coming Rome. Witty Scotsmen. <laughs> yeah, so we're sad, you see, and that's my second attempt at a brilliant link into this week's topic. This is my second attempt at it. Ignoring this <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, this week we're looking at the Sadducees. They come to Jesus and they ask, um, is there resurrection, basically? Uh, they ask it in terms of giving an example about a marriage and what happens when there's a man uh, who has a wife and he marries her and then he, they don't have kids and then he dies and then there are seven brothers who the wife gets passed down through. And they're like, well, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And it's like, supposed to trick Jesus and he's supposed to give like an answer and like look like a fool because he's given like a really silly absurd answer um but Jesus doesn't do that well that's a that's a spoiler alert really isn't it we're gonna have a look at that in the podcast which is gonna be exciting are you excited I'm very excited so (laughs) we'll look at the Sadducees question Jesus answer and marriage. marriage is there marriage at the resurrection yes or no maybe we don't know no that obviously spoiler alert (laughs) yeah so the passage if you want to read the passage and get familiar with it it's mark chapter 12 verses 18 to 27 you could also have a read of the stumbling through scripture blog post on the stumbling through scripture website www.stumblingthroughscripture.co.uk or just listen or just listen let's go Okay, so who were the Sadducees and why were they different from the Pharisees? Well, the Sadducees were one of the leading religious groups at the time, uh, one of the leading Jewish religious groups, and they were, I mean, they were basically, they were just wealthy aristocrats, really. They were from the leading Jewish families, and they were kind of a priestly aristocracy, and... Oh, Angus has taken a headphone out. No, you took it out. <laughs> oh, I took a headphone out. Okay, <laughs> I took a headphone out. Maybe I'll edit that. That's Angus just caught the it. <laughs> Angus caught it. So Angus was actually great. Yeah, so anyway, the Sadducees, um, they, were, they were just very conservative, actually. Um, they didn't believe... The main thing about the Sadducees is that they did not believe in the resurrection. Mm, and it's such a main thing that Mark mentions it. Yeah. And as you were telling me earlier, Mark is known for his brevity. So yeah, yeah. He only includes, like, the major important things. Yeah, I mean, Mark wouldn't mention something if it wasn't important. So the fact that he says some Sadducees 
who say there is no resurrection, it's like massive like warning signs should be going off in their head like mm-hmm. this is a key fact about the Sadducees that we need to keep in mind for the rest of this passage. Yeah, and it's interesting because obviously Mark kind of gives them the epithet of the Sadducees who say there's no resurrection. Like that is their like personality trait in this kind of section <laughs> yeah. section of Mark. And that just it just makes their question for Jesus seem all the more ridiculous because Mark has told us that they don't believe in the resurrection. And so them asking this question, you already know that they're making it as ridiculous yeah. as they can. So that if Jesus says, no, no, there is like resurrection and there is marriage, blah, 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 it it just wouldn't make any sense. Yeah, so, go, there yeah. is no resurrection, you fool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously that doesn't, that doesn't happen. Um, one of the other key things about the Sadducees and actually one of the reasons why they didn't believe in the resurrection I mean nowadays like if you don't believe in the resurrection you're called like a liberal mm. um, but back in that day actually it was the, the conservative people you Sadducee yeah um, yeah they didn't believe in the resurrection so they were sad you see <laughs> I do see I also heard pretty um, good and that wasn't funny yeah yeah um, and so, I mean, one of the reasons why they didn't believe in the resurrection was because actually it was quite a new idea, and for at the time it was quite a political idea because it was kind of, it was an idea that was fueling a lot of kind of revolutionaries, Jewish revolutionaries, to try and free Israel from like the Roman leaders, and because of the idea of the resurrection, they were like, oh well, like it doesn't matter if we die in this life because there's going to be a resurrection in the next, so we can be as like wild and revolutionary as we want because there'll be a resurrection. Mm. Which is taking, like, obviously a good and, and correct premise and just using it for perhaps slightly distorted means. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but another reason that the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection was because they are as we said, like, ultra-conservative. And one of the results of their ultra-conservatism was that they only considered the first five books of the Bible as authoritative. Mm. And in those first five books, do they mention the resurrection? It's not a big theme in the first five books of the Bible. A lot of the resurrection teaching that we get comes from a lot of kind of prophetic books, mm. um, like really edgy books like Isaiah and Daniel and stuff like that. Yeah. And so what do you think then their aim is in asking Jesus this question? Yeah, I mean, this is so this is the third kind of time in a row that some people have come to Jesus to try and trip him up, mm. to try and trip him up and trap him. Um, the Sadducees, I mean, the Pharisees beforehand and the chief priests, scribes and elders before that tried to, like, trip Jesus up so that they can, mm. like, essentially get him arrested or killed. The so Sadducees just, so don't just care as about a side that. note, really quickly, sorry yeah. for interrupting. So I think, I think I've had this completely wrong the entire time, and this has just dawned on me, that they've had the religious leaders, then they've had the Pharisees, then they've had the Sadducees. So basically, they've had, like, all of the different kind of, like, facets of the whole of the Jewish religious leadership, like, in all of their different factions, have come to him to try and trip him up. Yeah. And in, in my mind... Growing up, I just all assumed that they were the same. <laughs> <laughs> no, they were actually very different. They were very divided. They all wanted slightly different things. Yeah. And they all wanted Israel to be great, 
but they all wanted Israel to be great Mm -hmm. in slightly different ways. Yeah, so it's the equivalent of like um, the Archbishop of Canterbury coming to Jesus and asking a question then like the head of the Evangelical Alliance coming and asking a question <laughs> yeah. and then the head of the Baptist coming and asking him a question. And the Pope. And the Pope, you yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. And then like the whole hundreds and thousands of heads of all the free churches. Oh, yeah, of all of the other <laughs> churches. The... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And in every single instance, Jesus betters them mm. and he kind of, they ask him a question to try and show him up and he just turns the tables on them yeah. completely. And one of the reasons that Mark puts them all together is um, because it shows Jesus' ultimate authority as a teacher. I'm looking at the scriptures now and they, all of the religious leaders refer to Jesus as teacher. Yeah, and that's ironic. Mm. And they don't have another way of speaking about him. Really. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's funny because even though they're meaning it in an ironic sense, he does always <laughs> end up teaching them something. Yeah. Well, hopefully teaching exactly. them something. Um, if not teaching the people listening something. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So back to the Sadducees. Mm. Unlike the chief priests and the scribes and the elders and the Pharisees, they don't necessarily want Jesus arrested, but they do see Jesus as potentially troublesome and just a meddling dude who they'd actually rather have out of the way because the Sadducees Mm. are quite content with the status quo. That, As I said, they're like the priestly aristocracy, so the wealthy leading families, and they're... They have like pretty cushy relationships with the the leaders, the foreign leaders of Israel of the time. So they're happy for things to remain as they are. They're happy for Israel to be under foreign leadership because it really suits them because mm. it gives them power and influence. Yeah. So do you think this question is kind of probing? Because obviously you've said previously that um, they the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection as it was quite kind of revolutionary and. Um, was the cause of quite a lot of um, rumbles in, in, <laughs> in um, yeah. Jerusalem. And so do you reckon that they're coming to Jesus and they're like, so do you believe in the resurrection? Are you going to be hmm. like a troublemaker? And if he and if he were to be like, no, no, there's, there's no resurrection. Of course not. Do you reckon they would have just left him alone and not? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, they might not have left him completely alone because there's a lot of other things Jesus did and said that would have just antagonised them mm. because Jesus was always kind of going against corrupt religious leaders, especially in his teachings. But yeah, I mean, this is in some ways the Sadducees are probing and because the Pharisees believed in the resurrection, the Pharisees wanted a, a free Israel and so although the Pharisees didn't necessarily openly advocate for some open revolt against um, the Roman authorities, mm. the, their teachings about the resurrection did certainly fuel some of that. And so the Sadducees are also trying to work out oh, what side is Jesus on. How does Jesus' response answer their question, if it does at all? Hmm. So Jesus' answer is actually pretty straightforward. I mean, in the previous instances with the chief priests, scribes and elders and the Pharisees, Jesus has kind of used a bit of wit to kind of evade their questions and get out of trouble by giving them his genuine answer. But he gives their genuine answer in a way that won't get him in trouble and give them a reason to arrest him. With the Sadducees, Jesus just straight up is like, you're wrong. Is not this the reason why you're greatly mistaken? And there's like an inclusio with this, with Jesus' response. So an inclusio is like where there's two different 
kind of sayings, I guess, which bookend the whole answer. And so it starts off with Jesus saying, it's not this reason that you're wrong. Um, And it's um, the Greek word is planaste. And then it ends with Jesus saying, uh, you are quite wrong. Literally just polu planaste. You are much mistaken. You are greatly misled. You are much mistaken. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so Jesus is just completely like, no, like, he doesn't even entertain their trick. Mm. He doesn't, he's not around for playing games. I mean, in a way, like this just shows just how important resurrection is to Jesus. And so Jesus, he, he rebuffs them on two levels. The first level is regarding the scriptures. And bear in mind, like the scriptures is one of like the, the key strengths for the Sadducees mm. as they see it is that they know the scriptures better than everyone else. And not only do they know the scriptures better than everyone else, but they know what is scripture better than everyone else, yeah. which is the first five books of the Bible. And, I mean, Jesus, as part of his rebuff, says to them, is not this the reason that you're wrong, that you know neither the scriptures nor the power of God, which obviously is a slap in the face, hmm. as you've just said. But also, they they have the first five books of the Bible... In these books of the Bible, they have the beginning of creation. They literally have God creating the universe in his Mm. power. They have um, the burning bush, as Jesus mentions. They have, like, the crossing of the Red Sea. They have so many incredible acts of God's power there. Mm. In just five books, like, like yeah. that's literally all they have to look at, let alone, like, the rest of the Old Testament that we have today. Yeah. They just had the first five books, and there's so much crammed into there that... Do you think they just they just didn't believe that God could raise them from the dead? Yeah, I, I think that that's possibly true. I mean, one of the other things is they didn't believe in angels or spirits, and they didn't... They kind of denied divine sovereignty. So they didn't really think that God was... God, basically, like he, they, they really wanted to emphasize human free will, but so Jesus, I mean, so Jesus could really easily have taken some arguments from Daniel or from Isaiah or from a lot of the prophetic traditions and said, look, like you don't know the scriptures, you don't even recognize that God has spoken to us through these other prophets. Mm. He could really easily do that, but actually, Jesus goes straight to the heart of what they think is scripture. And so the first five books of the Bible are also known as the five books of Moses. Jesus goes for a story and argues for resurrection from a story that is straight from the heart of the life of Moses, mm. which is the story of the burning book. Yeah, bearing in burning mind bush, that... Not the, burning books. <laughs> We've entered a different part of history there. Yeah. Um, this, this is so... Jesus obviously mentions Moses... From the Pentateuch, we need to bear in mind that the Sadducees, in their original question, hmm. mentioned Moses, saying, "Teacher, Moses wrote for us." Yeah, and so he's he's not even just referring to their bit of scripture. He's literally being like, "You talk about Moses, but you don't understand." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a hundred percent. So it's just even more of a like a slap in the face yeah. than. It could be even if he would to just <laughs> refer to the Pentateuch. Yeah. yeah, it seriously is. Yeah. And so Jesus talks about Moses, the episode from the burning bush, and he, and he quotes God at them where he says, like, have you not read the story about the bush where God says to Moses, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob? And then he goes on to say, he's not God of the dead, but of the living. You're quite wrong. 
And mm. this is kind of an argument for resurrection, not so much actually because of the verb I am. And I, I wrote this in the blog post, so I, I'm just touching it briefly here. But um, the verb I am is not actually mentioned in the Greek here of Mark 12, and it's also not there in the Hebrew of Exodus chapter 3, verse 6. It's just implied. So a lot of the time I've thought, oh, well, because God says I am the God of these patriarchs, mm. that's the reason for the resurrection, because it's not like, oh, he was, but he, he still is. Is currently. Because you... they've been resurrected. Yeah. But I think it's more about God's covenant, God's covenant mm. and God's promises. God made a covenant with Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob and made promises to them that involved protection. Uh, he can't keep his covenant to them if they're dead. But yeah. if they they die, when they die, then God's not protected them very well. And so I think it's looking forward to the resurrection in the future of Abraham, Jacob, Isaac, all of those who've died but trusted in God, had faith in God. Yeah, that's So really God cool. still is their God and he will still be their God. Mm. I'm looking, I'm just trying to flick through now um, and see if I can find it. They're coming and talking to him about Moses when Jesus literally has like just been on top of a mountain with him. <laughs> yeah. Do you think maybe Jesus is like, hey, Moses. <laughs> Moses, I think, I come think back they... <laughs> down again. <laughs> no, I mean, only Jesus and then Peter, James and John actually saw that. And I think Jesus actually says, don't share that with anyone. So no one mm. would actually have known. Yeah, but if I was... But Mark's readers. Yeah, Mark's readers would. Mm. And someone must have snitched if Mark knows to write it down. <laughs> yeah, I know after... Yeah. yeah, but if I was Peter, James or John and I heard these Sadducees talking about Moses and that there was no resurrection, I, I would be wanting to say something. <laughs> yeah, you'd be really struggling. Be like, your uh, excuse me, <laughs> <laughs> I think you're fine. <laughs> Jesus yeah. just talked to Moses. <laughs> yeah. So that's the scripture. And so how do they not know the power of God? I mean, just in the fact that they don't believe that God is capable of resurrecting them. Mm -hmm. And they're just so, their mindsets are so kind of constrained by what they see as possible only in this life. And they so just... I guess they're just so consumed with their own importance and stuff that they don't actually recognise that God is powerful and that God's mighty. Yeah. Like, as you say, they have in their scriptures that they're reading, they have so many examples of God's power. Like, if God can create the world, then God can recreate the world in a resurrection. But they just choose to ignore it. So what, if at all, does this have to do with marriage? If we can seek to try and address the Sadducees question even though it's a stupid question as Jesus says mm. what what does resurrection have to do with marriage so why why do the Sadducees use that ridiculous example as an example yeah well I mean they, they could have used any example to be honest but the fact that they do use marriage 
does give us. And Jesus responds, and he does talk about marriage in his response, because um, he's like, when they rise from the dead, they will neither marry nor are given in marriage, but like angels in heaven. So even though their question is actually completely centered around the resurrection, and even though Jesus' answer is also proving the resurrection, Jesus' answer does give us some kind of hint about what marriage like might be like in the resurrection. And whilst the key point of this passage is the resurrection at the resurrection, it does offer some kinds of insights into marriage at the resurrection. Mm, I and mean, so I, would, I guess we'll turn to that now. In the past week on the Stumbling Through Scripture Instagram, we posted a story asking marriage at the resurrection, yes or no? And 40% said yes, 60% said no, which I thought was really interesting, a really even spread. Uh, So, Becca, marriage at the resurrection, yes or no? Well, I mean, I'd quite like to think yes. Um, But but not not in the sense that the Sadducees are talking about, because they say... um, there were seven brothers, the first married, and when he died, left no children, and the second married her and died, leaving no children, and the third likewise, blah, blah, blah. Like, there's no talk of emotions. It's merely kind of a sense of continuing the mm. um, the family line and yeah. kind of, as we were talking about with Tamar last week, there's mm. a lot of legality around marriage. Like, even we just got married and there's there was a lot, to like figure out and like with the name changing and everything like that it's just just (laughs) very very complicated and so I think there there won't be the legality and the need for marriage especially for women like it was back then Mm. in order to have this security but I think that there will definitely still be the like emotional side of marriage because I don't like, I, I was joking around with Archie during the week, and I was like, nah, there's not going to be marriage in heaven. Uh, like, I'm finally going to be able to, like, get with Sansom. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't know, like, if I, if, I, if I got to heaven and suddenly, like, we were, we were no longer married in any sense, hmm. I... Well, I guess, I guess in heaven I wouldn't care because things are perfect, but, <laughs> like, now, currently, on earth, I'd be quite put out... Yeah. If having That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> the listeners should know I'm smiling now. <laughs> I'm glad you went just laughing with a straight face. <laughs> um, yeah, so if if we've lived our lives together and like gone to church and like through faith and everything like that together to then suddenly get to heaven and and still still be in a community but not be in as such close communion with one specific person, I think would leave me a little unhinged, even in heaven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. But what do you think? Yeah, I and mean, I... Actually, I... Opposite to you, I think... No, I don't think that there will be marriage in heaven. But also, <laughs> with a qualifier... <laughs> that just because I don't think that there'll be marriage in heaven that doesn't mean that we won't be able to see and relate to and love the people who we have married should we want to Mm. Mm. because I mean you have to think don't you I'm now arguing against myself but that's fine like all of the 
people who are in somewhat abusive relationships or unhappy marriages, mm. will they get to heaven and still have to be with that person <laughs> for all eternity? Or Yeah, well, will the person who they were unhappily married with be in heaven? Maybe. Mm. What if it was a and mutual unhappiness? Then... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think for me, Jesus says that when they get to heaven and when they're resurrected from the dead, they'll neither marry nor be given in marriage. And I think one of the reasons for this is because, A, I mean, when we're resurrected, there won't be any death. And so there'll be no need to procreate. And so that was one of the functions for marriage currently, as it stands, is to procreate. And we won't have that need. And one of the other functions of marriage is to provide partnership and companionship. Um, That's not to say that you need marriage to be complete. But one of the functions that marriage does serve is to help people kind of partner their way through life together because mm, neither of us have any friends <laughs> currently that's because we've moved to a new city <laughs> so all of our existing friends <laughs> you are still our friends you're dead to me <laughs> um gosh okay well yeah so that need for companionship and partnership won't necessarily still be there in heaven because it will be fulfilled in a different way because we'll be with god we'll be like one whole big family of god and that's cheesy and it sounds lame and sounds like something you wouldn't want to be a part of because it just sounds like there'll be like lunch on sunday after church with cucumber sandwiches and quiche but actually the big family of god probably will fulfill a lot of our there won't be quiche in heaven because it's needs. from the devil <laughs> i personally hope that there will not be quiche in heaven That's a a big thing that you can take away from the Sadducees question. And so I think because those two functions of marriage will no longer be necessary in heaven, I suppose that that's why Jesus says that we won't need to marry or be given in marriage. And so perhaps, as you said, like marriage is quite a a social and, and legal construct. There won't be that same kind of marriage idea. However, I think that the two married people, the two who've become one flesh, so to speak, if they are resurrected and and they want to kind of love each other and have relationship with each other in heaven, I 100% think that they'll be able to do that. And one of the amazing things that we read in scriptures about the resurrection is that things will be whole. Mm. There'll be like this peace, this shalom. And so every single relationship that we have in heaven is likely going to be so much wider and deeper and just far fuller than we ever will experience on earth. And so whether there's marriage or not, I think relationally it's just going to be phenomenal. We can't even conceive of how that might be, of how good relations might be. And I think that you can have those relations with your spouse in heaven, should you choose to. Maybe heaven will just be so big I shan't be able to find you. (laughs) Yeah, or maybe heaven will be so big that you won't be able to find your spouse. And actually your spouse didn't necessarily treat you well or whatever. It wasn't that great anyway. Yeah, and so you wouldn't want to make the effort to try and find them. God purposely put you in different dimensions of heaven. Yeah. So there are reasons to be hopeful about the resurrection, unlike the Sadducees. Uh, Yeah, definitely. And we'll be resurrected. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. We'll have new bodies. Mm. Yeah, but also about the resurrection and marriage and the resurrection there are reasons to be hopeful because we will be able to love on a far different level than we ever have before 
And there may or may not be the social legal construct of marriage in the same way. Mm -hmm. But there's going to be such a, as you say, a deeper level of just general companionship Mm. um, with everyone in community and we'll be living and dwelling in the presence of God. So everything's just going to be 10 times better than it is on earth. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think I might have written this from my in my blog. But I think like marriage is going to be the least of our worries in heaven. I'm um, not going to have any we're worries. Not, exactly. In and we're not going to have any worries in heaven. I'm so going to be I like think, an angel. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be it's going to be cool. Yeah. Anyway, I hope that you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I mean, we really appreciate all of your support and all the stuff like that. If you do enjoy listening to something through scripture, then please, of course, share it. Um, with your friends if you enjoy listening to it chances are you might enjoy reading it and if you enjoy reading it sign up for the emails that come into your inbox every friday at www.stumblingthroughscripture.co.uk yeah or follow us on instagram uh, we're on facebook as well but facebook's dead yeah so instagram <laughs> or email try and <laughs> resurrect facebook email is one of those things that should be dead but just somehow isn't <laughs> email can't be dead because we use it to sign into things that's the only reason why email is not dead <laughs> that's the only thing why gmail carries on <laughs> because yeah, basically. you can just automatically <laughs> sign into things with your google account <laughs> yeah anyway so on that particularly scriptural note <laughs> until next time Stumble with care.